Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. And if you are a returning listener, thank you for giving me, again, your divided attention. Remember, the sun never sets on the Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun podcast. That's just a little quip, I'm sorry. Um, Just kind of date hearkening back to the previous episode I did about Queen Elizabeth, her reign, her life, or whatever, or what her legacy is or should be. In any case, there was an old saying in the British Empire, the sun never sets on the British Empire because everywhere on the planet, whether it was nighttime, whether it was daytime, morning or night, the Brits had a colony. So when I think of what I'm doing here with this, you know, I could be recording and publishing it at 5 a.m. or even midnight my time. Uh, but yet somewhere it's the daytime where someone's listening to me. And I, I not, and I don't take that lightly that the fact that this show has an international reach because I've traveled the world and I have a friend somewhere. The sun never sets on the friendships that I've created and the fellowship that I've created in my life. Sun doesn't set on that. And so there's someone, when I look at the analytics, there's someone listening. When I'm recording in the daytime or publishing an episode in the daytime, there's someone listening to this episode. And it's already tomorrow where they are, or it's still yesterday where they are, or it's nighttime, or it's daytime. And that's not lost on me. That's little by little. We're, we're, we're pushing through, and it's reaching people. Is it reaching thousands upon thousands upon thousands? Soon, very soon, not yet, but, ev- but, but in the near future, foreseeable future, that's going to be the case. But the audience is growing. And I have to thank some people out there that have been sharing the episodes. Um, I've, I've had people say to me, I've shared it with certain people and I, they, they've, you know, they've given me the feedback that those people have. And I, and I really appreciate that. Um, Especially since if you do want to get in contact with me, you can always email the show at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. That's who may, whose world is this, the number two and the number one at gmail. Also, there's the uh, Instagram page. You can always direct message at whoseworldisthis2021. That's whose world is this, whose world is this, 2021 on Instagram. Um, thank you guys for the Venmos. It's appreciated. If people don't know what Venmo is, it's a money transferring uh, app, uh, app, sort of like Cash App or very similar to Cash App. Some people say it's easier, but my Venmo is J-U-N-B-E-A-U. That's Venmo at June Bow. My Cash App is dollar sign June Bow. That's the dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. The Zell is J-U-N-Y-A. B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N at Gmail. That's my first name and my last name at Gmail. If you have difficulty uh, spelling out my name, just look at the uh, title of the show. It's right there in front of you. Boom. Use that. And all of a sudden you can send a Zell. Also, I appreciate that you guys have been purchasing the journals from one of our main sponsors, which is ChavezHouse.com. That's Chavez with an S, actually. C-H-A-V-E-S. 
chavezhouse.com. You can either go to the site or go on Amazon where you can see over 100 offerings from Chavez House. In the search box, in the toolbar, you put in Chavez House Publishing. In the search results, make sure that what you're purchasing is either by Chavez House or by Lenore Batista. Those are the only two that are actually, because sometimes they're advertising and you'll, you'll see certain people advertising their things in the middle of the Chavez House uh, offerings. I noticed that one time when I, I typed in Chavez House Publishing. I was like, hey, wait a minute, that's not Chavez House. That's not. So I said, ah, I have to make sure I instruct people that it's Chavez House Publishing or Lenore Batista. Those are the only two authors for Chavez House. And you have everything on there. It's, it's school time, people. Whether you're going for your PhD, your master's degree, post-grad, undergrad, high school, middle school, you're going to find a notebook for you. They're decorative notebooks with Caribbean flags, African flags, European flags, the Eiffel Tower in, 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 in the spring, the American flag. You have decorative notebooks. You have journals, fitness journals, diaries uh, uh, for men and for women, um, abundance journals, self-affirmation and encouraging journals, things of that nature to get you through, pushing you through this semester if you're in school or pushing you through to the end of the year, which is going to be some of our most stressful times, because here we are where once you hit those burr months, you know what the burr months are, September, November, December, it's the holidays. So now one of the more stressful times in a person's life, financially stressful, emotionally stressful times, is the holidays. You want to write a lot of the things going on now. You want to write about what you've, what you've gone through this year, what you're going through, and what you want actually next year to look like. We're on the cusp of 2023, people. So go to Chavez House Publishing, pick up something, especially those password journals. We all have a bunch of crazy different passwords, you know, and some have exclamation points at the end. Some have question marks, some are uppercase, some are lowercase. I can't go a month without clicking forget password. And now Chavez House is offering uh, password logbooks so you can write out all of your passwords. Uh, for all of your different uh, online accounts and apps, etc., etc. So go on Chavez House Publishing on Amazon. Pick up something for you or someone that you care about. Okay? They're good sponsors. They're friends to the show, so to speak. Okay, I've done these episodes in separate order. Uh, disorder, not in order. Why? Because I did an episode. I put in quotes right now, eulogizing Queen Elizabeth's life. Um, which is the previous episode. It was called All Hail the Queen? Question mark. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to do a labor episode today about what's going on with us and work. What's going on with work? And I'm going to give you a specific example of something that's going on with someone close to me. And it's, it's, it's alarming, but this is what I've been speaking about on this show, which is over a year old, and I've been speaking about for more than... I don't want to even say a decade or so. I've been speaking about this since I was a teenager and I thought I was crazy till I started reading books on economics. Everyone around me started, had me thinking that I was the crazy one until I realized the history of labor and unions and economic conflicts between ownership and employee and management, et cetera, et cetera. So I did an episode. So I'm doing this episode about a week after Labor Day 2022. Only because Labor Day 2022, I was working. I had other things going on, so I couldn't just do this. Um, but when you guys contribute to this show via Venmo, Cash App, and uh, Zelle, that's going to this show. 
I want this show to pay for this show. That's what I'm looking to do. I want to be more. I want this to be more of my life than just a passion project. I want it to be a stepping stone of things that are going of, of larger, larger programming, more expansive programming, more expansive dialogue. And for that to happen, I have to upgrade equipments. I want to travel to different locales. I want to be able to interview people. I want to be able to add a very, very professional video element to this. Where, you know, people you're looking at it and you don't see the difference between what's going on here and what you would watch on your legacy media as far as quality is concerned, especially, I mean, qualitatively and more substantively this is better than your legacy media i already know that but i want that production quality to be the same and it's not going to take a whole lot of money but it's going to take conversation so i have to rattle that tin can that tin cup i must do it, it it's what it is unfortunately some people are like hey i just want to get to the dialogue june just want to get to the meat and potatoes but you guess what meat and potatoes you got to go buy meat and potatoes meat and potatoes have a barcode on them unfortunately this is this is the united this is the world and everything's for sale it's what it is. It's, everything is barcoded. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. I did an episode last year, Labor Day. That episode is episode 36, if you'd like to go back to it. Season 3, episode 36, and the title of that was Life and Labor is What You Make It. Now, I would encourage you to go back there and revisit it. I actually don't remember all of the things that I said because I talk a lot. I talk fast and I get things out of my brain and I move on. But I want to talk about something specifically. Hmm. It, give, it gives me great pause because it's someone that I truly, truly care about and I truly, truly value. I've tried to express to this person how much I value them and I don't think my words... Um, I don't think my words can truly express how valuable this person is to me, but, um, something occurred to them, happened to them a couple of weeks ago. And what happened to them was their, they were fired, but not only were they fired, they were, their position was eliminated. That's different. I remember during the economic collapse of 2008, there were people who didn't just lose their jobs, but their job no longer existed. That's a totally different conversation because if you lose your gig, you can go, you know what? I gave a lot to this company, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to get another job doing what I know how to do. Someone else is going to value me and take my skill set the exact same skills that I gave to you, the exact same title I had working for you, I'm going to take it someplace else. But it's different when someone eliminates your position and says that thing that you've been doing, that you've been invested in for a decade, two decades, three decades, eh, eh, no longer needed, eliminated. We're not just eliminating, we're not just terminating you, we're eliminating the position. <sighs> I want to talk about that because there's this idea bandied about over the last, I guess, couple of years. It's been called quiet quitting. And the idea around quiet quitting is that people are at work, but they're not giving their all. They're just doing the bare minimum. Now, 
it's funny how this country loves to rebrand things because a new generation comes in and gets into the marketplace and all of a sudden they think that they've discovered something that's already existed. Quiet quitting has been around as long as labor has been around. Since the wage has gotten stagnant over the last 20, 30 years, since the 1970s adjusted for inflation until now, there's been something called quiet quitting. Because there are many, many employees that have realized that no matter how hard they work, no matter how qualitative their employment is, no matter how, de no matter how dependable they are, no matter how competent they are, no matter how trustworthy they are, they're still going to get paid the same. And that company does well, they don't do better. All they're working towards is just keeping their job. Once they realize that, once it hits them, that there's only so much return they're going to get on their sweat equity, they're going to start pulling back on as much effort and quality and intellectual equity and sweat equity that they put in that job. So what they do is just enough not to get fired. They do just enough to remain employed because the company could have, ooh, they could have a great quarter. Because of the work you put in, there has been a 10% increase in revenue and this and that and a third. And you know what you're going to get? You're going to get two movie gift cards. You're going to get a discount on a pizza. You're going to get a plaque on the wall, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you'll get a pat on the back and an attaboy at the next week, at the next meeting. If you're lucky, most times you're going to be treated like a warm body. You're doing what you were supposed to do. And I ain't going to reward you for doing what you're supposed to do. Even though the company is ex exceeding profit expectations for that quarter, that doesn't translate into more money for you, more stature for you more power for you, more job security for you. Your job is going to look at you and shrug its shoulders. Your equity goes into a black hole. It's going to take everything from you. And once they realize they don't need you anymore, they're going to terminate you and eliminate your position just so they can make more money. A lot of companies, they don't innovate. Sometimes they just, hey, we just, we're going to cut some of our workforce, we had profit expectations of this month and our shareholders are demanding that we grow, 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 that we bring in more money, but we don't have any more innovation. We don't, we're not bringing anything new and sexy into the marketplace that are going to have our consumers, our customers, our clients or whomever just clamoring at our door. So how are we going to bring in more money? Oh, we're going to cut off some of this workforce that's been doing great work. Some of the people that have been here the longest and have the most equity and, and intellectual equity and knowledge of this company, we'll get rid of them and replace them with cheaper labor. Or maybe we'll move the company to some place where the labor is a lot cheaper to begin with. Eh, we don't want to get, you know, because this, this person's about to make top money. Uh-oh, we don't want to pay them. Let's get rid of them and get three people to do that job as opposed to paying that one person or just piling on this person's job onto a bunch of people who are not qualified to do it. So if you want to know why your job or your job climate, your job may be cool, but the climate around your job sucks, it's one of the main reasons why. Because of how you are looked at and how people are unceremoniously treated at many of these jobs. 
quiet quitting is nothing new. It's a new academic term for this generation. Great. It's nothing new. When I'm on LinkedIn and other places and I see, oh, yeah, quiet quitting is the new such and such. Really? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, it is not. It's not. So I just wanted to, to talk about that because um, you're obliged to do your job, but no one seems obliged to reward you for it. Everyone wants you to treat your job like a family, but you're not treated like family. So I, I just it's something that um, I wanted to talk about because the person that whose position was eliminated was working in education. Now, this person is an amazing educator. Not only as a person, they're able to bring a certain level of warmth and patience and confidence to their position and know how that you feel no matter how daunting your academic task is because this person is next to you and by your side and coaching and guiding you, you think that you can accomplish all the things you need to accomplish. Let me tell you something. That's a very difficult thing to quantify. A person like that who can instill confidence, even sometimes in the most confident people or the most insecure people or the most uh, anxiety-filled individual. And this person can come and be not only a calming influence, but give you the tools for you to succeed intellectually and academically. That's who this person is. Exceptional. This person is exceptional. And in their own way, they have a way of prodding you and pushing you with these gentle prods to push you to get to your potential. Part of the reason why I'm a graduate and I'm dean's list at my university and stuff like that is doing no small part to some of the aid and the guidance that I've gotten from this particular individual. This person's exceptional. You understand what I'm saying? They eliminated this person's position and terminated this person and eliminated a position that was essential. Because me, I was already an academic. I was just out of school for a while. I, was, I opened up a business and this, that, and the third. And I was going back to school. And I was wondering if that was the right thing for me to do for my life, et cetera, et cetera. But this person was amazing and made me feel as if, oh, yeah, I, I know I can do this. And they provided the right training wheels and showed me how to get, you know, okay, this is how you hold on to the handlebars again. This is what you do. Watch out for the bumps. And, and before you knew it, I was training wheels were off and I was wheeling again and doing handstands, uh, you know, on the handlebars. And that was because of this particular individual. Me personally, I love teaching. I think you guys can tell by this particular platform that how I'm able to go on and on for an hour and some change without stopping and be illuminating, educating, entertaining. I think you guys pretty much have an idea that I'm pretty good in a classroom. I've actually done a little bit of teaching when I was in my undergrad, you know, I was helping out and stuff like that, being a teacher's assistant. And I was in front of the classroom and the teachers were saying there were students in the back of the classroom whose faces they haven't seen in months because as soon as they get to class, those kids put their head down. Teachers were telling me that I've been looking at the top of this kid's head for months until you walked in and started speaking. We've had guest speakers and teachers before still the top of the head because that teacher wasn't looking at me. That teacher was looking at their students to see how they were reacting towards me. And she noticed a kid went from the back of the class to sitting close to the middle 
And now this kid is engaged. And at the end of the day, they were like, we would love for you to teach here. And I didn't want to say it to them as an insult, but there's an ugly little secret or a dirty little open secret about teaching. It doesn't pay enough. So as much as my life would be so uncomplicated if teachers in our society were giving a proper wage for what they do for the kids, for our future workforce. I did an episode not too long ago. I think it's episode 97. America is failing its boys. America's failing its boys and its girls, but America's failing its boys. And part of the reason why is how we compensate instructors and teachers and how we disincentivize intellectuals in our society. And I have a saying, once you disincentivize intellectuals, you are at the mercy of buffoons. You diminish intellect and you aggrandize everything else. And through that, I can tell what our society values. So that teacher, I can't count how many teachers were telling me I should be a teacher. June, you, you, you got the thing. And guess what? I know. I know I do. But they don't pay me enough to be a head of a household. That's not enough to, to feed me. And, and if I want to be married and if I want to pop out a couple of little offspring, those salaries aren't enough to live a decent life just for me as a single male. Forget about if I add a, a, a spouse, a woman to that. And then if I want to have one or two kids or a puppy, even if I didn't want to, if I wanted a puppy, a, a, a medium sized dog, you can't afford to have a home, to own a home in America right now on a teacher's salary? What are you kidding me? So let me explain to you what's going on with this underpaid and underappreciated class of people. You know, the disincentivizing of a scholar. Okay, here's what's going on. This particular person told me that their position was eliminated but they could come back and reapply for another position at $14 an hour. Did you hear, did you guys hear what I just said? So pretty much half of what they were making person has put in several decades in this profession. And instead of being rewarded for their dedication, their competency, their consistency, their excellence, their continued and consistent excellence, uh, they offered, they said, um, Hey, here, here's what we can do for you. You grown up, you grown up with kids, you grown up with adult responsibilities, with a mortgage, with car notes and car insurance and, and everything else going on in your world. We're going to pay you what under what should be close to the minimum wage in this country because valued for inflation, the mi American minimum wage should be around $22 an hour, not 15 valued. And that was before the great inflationary uh, uh, events that have been occurring over the last six to seven months or so. We're talking about pre-pandemic. We're talking about 2019, 2018. The minimum wage story was $20 an hour or such and such. And that's for someone who's done the bare minimum. We're not speaking about people like myself who did more than the minimum, who did more than just graduating from high school or getting a GED. We're speaking about people who've gone to college, graduated college, borrowed money to go to college. 
if you're going to give the regular worker or the minimum wage worker means you've done the minimum. You went to school, you, kept, you, you went to high school, you graduated, you kept your head, you kept your nose clean. Boom. But we're speaking about someone who's graduated from state sanctioned universities, private institutions, spent an inordinate amount of money, borrowed, not spent, borrowed with interest. Spending and borrowing are two different things. If you spend $10, that's cool. If you borrow $10, you're going to owe $25 or you're going to owe $100 on that, on that, on that 10, 20 bucks. It's a problem. It's a problem. No one can afford to even go to these schools that they actually are going to and graduating from. So meanwhile, they want to give her, or this person, 14 bucks an hour to do a job that they've been doing for decades and pay them under what the paying them under what the new minimum wage is being bandied about the 15 bucks an hour. So let me get this straight. Burger King, I was driving by Burger King and they were saying, hmm, you want to work at Burger King? $10 an hour. So you're telling me an instructor is going to get paid only a, a couple of bucks more respectfully than someone who is working at a fast food restaurant flipping burgers and burning french fries is that what we're doing in this country right now and at the same time we're going to say that it's about the future how do you expect to attract the best and the brightest into this vocation at these wages hmm? i'm telling you guys right now i would be doing all of this from a classroom this podcast i would be teaching and i would be doing this that's all i would be doing i love being in the classroom i love engaging minds young and old i do not care what your age group is i love to be in situations where i'm there's an exchange of ideas if i were teaching i would never stand at in front of the class i would take a desk right around everybody else unless i had to write something on the board or control some sort of powerpoint projector machine or laptop I would have a desk with everybody. I'm engaging in conversation. No need to raise your hand. We're having a talk. No need to feel strange or anxiety by being singled out by raising your hand and have everyone look at you. No, we're having a talk. I'd put my desk, I'd, I'd be right in front of everybody and we'd be right sitting amongst my students and we talk. And I guarantee you what they would learn from my class would be the, probably one of the more rewarding experience, academic experiences they've ever had. But it's never going to happen. America will lose me as an instructor. Because there's no way I'm going to allow my intellectual acumen after all the work I've put in to be this person to give myself away at those wages. No way. No way. That means I lose. I lose at least $50 for every hour I would be in a classroom. Do you understand? Do you understand? I'm very passionate about this. Because I call it the heartstring hustle. What's the heartstring hustle? I remember, this was a couple of years ago, and I think I've mentioned this in another show and I can't remember when I was living in Palm Beach Florida which is one of the most expensive counties to live in the United States of America by the way and there was this program and this program and I applied to this because a friend of mine was working in in prison re-entry and I said I want to work with I want to work with people who've committed 
you know, crimes or maybe misdemeanors or nonviolent offenses and are looking to get back into society? Is there is there certain things I wanted to work in that realm, sort of in a nonprofit for profit realm? I was really interested in helping. You know, I remember being the kid in the back of the class who could care less about what was going on. And a lot of my friends got caught doing some things that other people didn't get caught doing. You know, and they, the only difference is one got caught and the other one didn't. But it didn't change the fact that they were good people. But now they have to carry around this albatross called a, a, a prison record with them. And um, a friend of mine referred me to this program. It was like a second chance program. And um, they said, hey, they're looking for coordinators. So I went on the interview. I killed the interview destroyed it here i was i'm a college graduate i've traveled the world and interned in the vatican i've been all over the place i've been all, you know speak several languages i can speak the language of a lot of the dudes and what they've gone through and another thing here i am i'm a black male in america or i'm identified as black in america and they don't have enough examples because the majority of the people i would be dealing with would be young black juveniles offenders who are in the prison system or in the jail system for misdemeanors and they will be coming home soon and they need someone to advocate for them. So my job was going to be going to the jail, speaking to them, speaking to employers in the area where the kid lived, seeing how, you know, uh, how agreeable, how feasible it would be for certain employers to want to employ this child despite their record. Speak to the family, go to the family's home of the kid, speak to them, come up with a cohesive statement when it's time for this kid to be released. And speak to the judge on behalf. So I was going to be an advocate. Now, my job would require me to be all over Palm Beach County, Florida. Palm Beach County from north to south East to west is about 2,300 square miles. Palm Beach County, Florida is enormous. It's big. From Boca Raton, Florida, all the way to Jupiter, and it goes all the way out west, almost to the Okeechobee Lakes. It's a lot of land. From Palm Beach to Belle Glade, from, uh, from um, West Palm Beach or Singer Island to Belle Glade. So all over, I would be required to go all the way to Belle Glade's prison, which is very, very far away, like a 40, 50 miles or whatever the case on some alligator alley kind of road with no traffic lights, just swamp on both sides, go to the jail, meet with the kid, come home, etc., etc., etc. They told me all of this and I was down for all of that. I said, I'll do it. And they, they told me, they said, you are perfect for this job. We have a lack of, you know, you know, we have a hard time recruiting educated you know, black men, and we would love to have more guys that look like, at least look like the guys, and maybe are even able to speak the language and translate to them. They, they'll be able to relate to you more, and we would love to have you in this position. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be the big bro. I'll do it. I'll, I can speak to the judge. I can advocate on their behalf. That's nothing. Speak to employers. That's I'm selling. That's what I do. I can do that. You know how much they wanted to pay me, guys? guess i want you guys to guess for all that i had said i'm gonna have to take my own car not a company car 2300 miles all over palm beach county i could be all over palm beach county in an eight hour day just running around racking up miles like an uber driver speaking to different people and I have to make compelling cases in front of educated people people who own businesses 
to hire these kids. You know how much sweat equity I'm using? I'm going to a jail. I'm going to family's house. I'm going to former I'm going to prospective employees. I'm speaking to judges. I'm speaking to social workers. I'm speaking to teachers. I'm garnering. I'm the one who has to coordinate all of this paperwork. I have to do it. Not at, not from an air conditioned office. Not not on the phone. I have to be in the street. I have to be outside doing all of this. How much were they going to pay me? $28,000 a year. I didn't know that when I interviewed. And my mistake was not asking how much it was going to pay because I just assumed. I assumed when you put coordinator, when you put bachelor's degree required plus three years experience in some related fields remember i told you guys i taught for a little while i did a little teaching i did a little volunteering i was in cambodia i was teaching at, at, at orphanages i can do this man i coordinated a little food drive program for haiti for, at the haiti earthquake in 2010 so between all of my related experiences my education my exp um i just assumed we would be talking Double 28,000 at least. And that's a pay cut for me because I know I can get on the phone with some roofing company and probably sell more roofs or work for some mattress king company and make more money selling frames and, and, and mattress covers. But I'm thinking I'm here. I am. I'm going to do something for society at large. Some of these kids don't have fathers or some of them do. And the parents are working overtime, double time, triple time. And the kid is out there in the world and the teachers don't care. And the teachers are underpaid or the teachers may care, but they're underpaid, underappreciated. And their classrooms are overcrowded. Remember, America is failing its boys. Episode 97. So when they told me twenty eight thousand dollars per year, they said, yeah, you know, based on, you know, you, you have the college degree and you have the three years experience experience where we're just trying to get we're trying to push you to thirty thousand. And I'm listening to this woman on the phone after after them telling me after my interview, they said, you know what? We're going to do these other interviews as a formality because you got the job. You pretty much have this job. I just have to run it up the ladder. So I'm at home already going up. Oh, got a gig. Got my apartment. I'm like, yep, got a gig. And it's going to be a great gig. And I'm going to make a difference in the lives of a lot of a lot of people. I'm going to be in, I'm every single day is going to be essential because I'm I, I am an essential worker. There's something about that as a human being, finding a purpose, finding a place where you can park all of your tools and your gifts. And I knew most of the gifts and the tools that I have as a human being, I was going to be able to use them at this job. I was excited, everyone. I was excited. I was on fire for it. I told them in the interview, I'm on fire for this position. I want to do this. I don't just need a job. I want this job. I don't just need a job. I want this job. I was on fire for that position. And when she told me over the phone that that position was going to pay twenty eight dollars to $30,000 a year, my fire was put out. It was doused. They popped that, they popped my balloon. Boof. I was hurt. 
And I thought to myself, yeah, no wonder you can't get any black dudes to do this job because a man has to be the head of his household. So why would some kid who graduated from FIU, FSU, FAU, UF, or anywhere want to do this job at this salary when he can just answer phones anywhere and be at a desk for at least $10,000 more or $15,000 more per hour. Yeah, because a man, I looked at the office, it was a bunch of you know women who probably have husbands and their husbands are making more money than them. But a man can't afford to make that money after paying for all of that college. So it's the heartstring hustle. These jobs that pull at your heartstrings and you're on fire for it because you are an empathetic, compassionate human being that wants to contribute to humanity. And you know what you get for that? They spit in your face with these salaries for that. I used to always say that there's a certain correlation between the closer you are to the general public, the less money you actually make. Teachers make less money than principals. Teachers are closer to the students, closer to the community, closer to the parents. They're there on the ground at parent-teacher conferences, et cetera, et cetera, while the principal is in a back room in a back office, and they make more money than the teachers that are on the ground. Even in nursing, my mother and my family members have been nurses for years. The certified nursing assistant, the CNA, the one who has to really be there and bathe the patient clean the patient when they're soiled, be there. Sometimes you have these 24-hour patient care assistants, PCAs, that are in the homes. Some of them aren't even getting double-digit per hour wages. Some of them are making nine, 10 bucks an hour, but they're the closest to the patient. Law enforcement, police officers, on the ground, with the people, the general public every day, they make a fraction of what lawmakers make. So the law enforcers make a quarter sometimes of what the lawmakers make. Seems the closer you are to the people, the less money you make. The more impactful you are on the ground at making an improvement in people's lives, the less money you make. You are in a misanthropic dynamic in this world, not a philanthropic dynamic. It's antithetical to actually improving humanity. It's something I've noticed. Closer you are. And I call it the heartstring hustle. When I got off the phone with that woman, I hated her. I hated her company. How dare you think that you can pay someone with my experience? My school was $30,000 a year in tuition. You want to pay me less than that per year? Are you kidding me? A private institution? A college graduate with more than three years experience and all the experience I have in management and coordinating all through my life. What? So you look at that and you go, how could you? I don't even know what that turns out to be in a year. 30, is that like 13, 14 bucks an hour maybe? Meanwhile, there's an acai bowl place and smoothie joint. Well, they said they're paying their employees 20 bucks an hour. Now, I love acai bowls. And I love smoothies. Acai bowls are dope, especially with the extra walnuts and stuff and all that, you know, all of that, berries and the blueberries. Love acai bowls. They're paying people to make acai bowls and smoothies six, seven dollars more an hour than they were going to pay me to be an, uh, an advocate 
for a juvenile that's falling on hard times and needs a second chance and needs someone to be in their corner. They were going to pay someone making smoothies six, seven dollars more in the same county. <laughs> in the same county, I'm not speaking about a different region. In the same Palm Beach County, there's a sign up acai bowls and smoothies. Employees start at twenty dollars an hour. Start. These people were going to start me at what? Can, let me do the math right quick, everybody. What is that? No, actually, I'm not going to do the math. You do the math on what? 30,000 pushing. No, they told me 28. They're going to try to push me to 30, but it was 28. You tell me what $28,000 a year breaks down hourly. Matter of fact, let's do that. I think I'm going to need to do that just for conversation's sake. Let me do that right now. Let me do that right now. What is 28K? 28K per year. How much is that per hour? $14.36. Okay, so they were going to pay me $14.36 an hour to be an advocate, to speak to judges, to speak to lawyers, to speak to social workers, teachers, employers, go to a jail and cover 2,300 square miles of Palm Beach County. Okay, $14.36 an hour. The smoothie spot is starting at 20 bucks an hour. My friend, my, one of my mentors and educators and instructors that I owe a lot to in my second uh, uh, iteration of an academic was making way more than uh, what $14 an hour. Now they're telling her we're going to eliminate your position and you can come back and make 14 bucks an hour. The acai bowl worker is making 28 is making 14. I mean, sorry, $20 an hour. Okay. I'm just saying, understand where we are right now. Understand where we are. This is your country people. Right now, in real time, I've been screaming it to my friends, my family. I've been saying it in different forums for decades, for a couple of decades now. I was a little, little wee pup. And I said, I was working in, I think I just got my worker's permit in New York. And I was like, yo, this is real. This whole work thing. Yo, where's the bonus? Where's the incentive for me to sweat? Where's the sweat incentive? The sweat incentive, and there isn't any. It's disincentivized for you to actually be part of this system and help and help and be a part of it. As a matter of fact, this person was telling me that even if you have your master's degree or your PhD, you're still going to get $14 an hour. You know what that also says? The American college degree, which people have been saying for decades, is useless now, depending on where you're going. If you're not going to medical school, if you're not going to nursing school, if you're not going to be an accountant or an engineer or something along those lines, you need not go to a college. If you want to become a paramedic or something along those lines, you have to go to vocational schools. Don't you dare go to school for liberal arts in America. They're not going to respect your intellect. Don't go to school for marketing and communications because you're going to be making $14, $15 an hour as a marketing assistant. Okay? Don't you dare go to school for marketing. Don't you dare go to school for communications. Don't you dare go to school for, 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 for liberal arts 
or political science unless you plan on going to, unless you know you're going to law school as a matter of fact don't even do that you cannot afford to spend four years in school just getting a degree for it to be an audition for grad school that four year whatever you learn better be able to sustain you just in case you change your mind about what you want to do later on because the degree right now is not worth the paper that it's printed on and that's been a known fact for eons no, I'm sorry, for, for at least a decade and some change, and no one's been saying it out loud. But if you're going to pay someone, you know, how much, you know how much money it takes to get a PhD? No one's giving you PhDs for free. The mere fact of how much it costs to get one, they should put you in an upper strata. How much money it takes to get a master's degree, a bachelor's degree. No one's giving you this for free. Unless you are getting a full scholarship to go to school or at least 75% scholarship, do not spend your money going to college. Go get an HVAC. Go learn how to fix refrigerators and air conditioning units. Go to school and become a mechanic. Go to school and become a, a, a nurse, a paramedic, a, 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 a do not put yourself in this position, people, because that's what's going on in your world of borrowing. There's a trillion dollar college stu student loan debt that now you have, you know, President Biden right now, you know, looking to forgive some loans or, or, or a portion. If you're not going to school for cooking, go, 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 to, go to chef school. People got to eat and you can take that all over the world. If you're a nurse, you can take that all over the world. You can say, hey, I don't want to be a nurse in the United States. I'm going to take my little nursing degree and I'm going to go someplace else and be a nurse. That's a universal language. You can take that anywhere. Take it anywhere. Nursing, cooking, HVAC, civil engineering, fixing things, construction, contracting. Do that. Build, build, build. Build better. Build back better. Make America. Do that. Don't you dare go to school for these things. Don't you go to school for early childhood education unless you're a woman who plans on marrying a very well-to-do man. As a male, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, if, you, if a guy were to say, June, I really want to teach, man. I want to help the babies, this, then, a third. Open up a business and hire the babies. This is America, man. They don't respect education. Did you, didn't you, did you not see the, the debates? Did you not see the presidential debates in 2015, 2016? Did you not see the two buffoons that were standing there to, to represent us, whether it was President Joseph R. Biden, Biden or Donald J. Trump? Did you not see that both of these men were not the sharpest tool in the shed? Did you not see people are now talking about how slow Joe Biden is right now or he's maybe of diminished capacity? Oh, really? Have you not been watching this man over the last, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years? I have. He wasn't fit then. He wasn't fit now. Donald J. Trump, do you think he's fit to run for office? The man's never been president. of. A, uh, he's never ran for office. He's never held in office, I'm sorry. But we're going to give him the biggest job on earth. Okay. Here, let's, let's do that. See how that works out for us. No. We have disincentivized intellect. And when we do that, we are at the mercy of buffoons. But guess what? I will judge a society by what it values. You value the acai smoothie maker more than you value your teachers. Okay? Just saying. How do you feel about that? 
Are you okay with that? Are you okay with valuing? Um, I have um, I know someone who works with horses. You know, horse horses are their passion. They get paid more money to clean up after the horses than someone who gets to look after the intellect and the minds and the hearts of the next generation of students and the next generation workforce. So that person to clean horses is getting 20 an hour, but they're, they're going to pay an instructor to guide the young hearts and minds of human beings, $14 an hour in 2022, by the way, this is the year we're talking about. We're not talking about, this isn't 1922. This isn't 1982 or 1992. This is not even 2002. It's 2022. So what's the incentive? Oh, because you really feel a calling. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story. I was 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, right? I was walking through the mall with my mom. Um, this is Green Acres Mall in Valley Stream, New York, which is on the borderline of Long Island in Queens, New York. Many people think that Green Acres is a mall in Queens, but it's not because everybody from Queens goes there. So I was about six years old. No, I'm sorry. I was in fifth, sixth grade. I was about 10, 11 years old. I'm walking through the mall. Who do I see folding jeans and shirts and everything? I see my math teacher. My math teacher's folding clothes. And I, me, because I was obnoxious, my apologies to my 10, 11 year old self. I didn't like the school, didn't like the teacher, didn't like anything. So didn't like school, period. Didn't like their authority. And I felt a certain triumph by looking at this woman who was telling me what to do and thinking she was the boss of me from Monday through Friday. And I saw her folding clothes at the mall like a teenager. Because even at 11 years old, my first thought was, ooh, when I get my worker's permit, what am I going to do? I'm going to work at the sneaker store. I'm going to get all those sneakers that my mom refuses to buy me. <laughs> that was the idea. I was either going to work at an arcade or I was going to work at a sneaker store. I want to get Nikes. I want to get the Jordans. I want to get the sky. Yeah, because mom's not buying that. Nope, it's not happening. Not in a million years. I don't care how well I did in school. That's if I did well, which is very rarely. But um, yeah, it's not happening. For what? That's, that's eight pairs of sneakers in her eyes for the price of some of these expensive sneakers. And I'm watching this woman, grown woman, adult. She has to work at the mall. And in my mind, I'm like, hey, hey. So I walk by her. I don't say anything. She didn't see me. Or maybe she didn't avoided me. But I remember thinking to myself, well, look at that. But you know what? I got older. And I remember I got to a certain age, maybe a teenager. And I started working. And I realized how hard I was working doing my little jobs and how little my paycheck was just, you know, living at home, not having to pay rent. And I thought to myself, wow. And I thought about that teacher. And I thought, man, what, what must have they been paying her as a teacher for her to have to take another job at the mall, which doesn't pay anything anyway. And think about that from the eyes of a young, impressionable mind who just barely is reaching their double-digit age. And we've spoken about how impressionable, you know, what the impressions that are imprinted on the minds of people between the ages of zero and 10 years old. She's no longer a role model once I see her working in the mall. Because when you think of a teacher, you're thinking of someone who is learned, someone who is intelligent, someone who's super smart. 
So you would hope that your teacher's driving a car that you'd like to drive, or maybe lives in a home that you'd like to live in, or maybe is wearing clothes that you'd like to wear, and is living a lifestyle altogether that you would like to live. Meanwhile, she's not. He's not. They're not. So what's, what's the incentive? What's the, what's, the, what's the motivation for me to learn? If being learned, I'm going to still have to work in the mall like you. I'll give you another example. This is within the last six, seven years. I, I would say maybe let's go back about seven, eight years. I'm in uh, Long Island hanging out with my cousin. You know, we're walking through the supermarket because we have to run errands for my auntie. And we're like, hey, we got to get some stuff from the, from the supermarket. Auntie gave us some money, went to the supermarket. My cousin is in high school. And we go down the refrigeration aisle. And she goes, oh, man, uh, let, 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 let's, let's turn around. Let's, let's turn around. I said, why do we have to turn around? She goes, oh, because that's my, that's my history teacher. Her history teacher was taking milk out of crates and putting it into the refrigerator. And I said, and I looked at that and it hearkened me back to all of the, all, all of what I know about labor. And this is after, um, what do you call it? This is after, uh, me turning down that gig. Okay. This is after me turning down the $28,000, $30,000 a year job. This is after knowing what the labor market does to its most intelligent in the education sector. And I know what that man's going through. And I'm saying, and this is, he's a young guy, but you can tell he probably has a wife and kid or whatever. And I tell my cousin, you know what? I'll just get whatever I need to get from this aisle. Just meet me at the register. She's like, all right. She was embarrassed for him. This is what we do to the most learned amongst us. This man went to school to get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in education and in history to teach the youth and educate them as to the goings on that were going on so they can understand their past so they can master their present and said future. And you know how the, how the society, how society rewards them with a job barely able to live on with a wage that he's barely able to live on. And he has to sustain it by working at the supermarket the same way my teacher 10, 15 plus years prior to that had to do by working at the mall and folding clothes that's the world we're in, people. You understand? So someone told me that um, uh, someone was looking for work, right, as an English tutor. Uh, and um, because this, English, this, this, uh, this, this uh, particular female, she was a very good writer. And someone recommended her to be an English tutor at this same institution. And he said, hey, you'd be great as an English tutor. You should try to apply for the job. And this writer person, the younger, young girl was like, young woman was like, yeah, 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 I'd love to. Let, let, me, let me see. She found out the salary and she said, are you kidding me? I can work, make more money working at a taco shop, a popular, very popular taco shop that was in the same county at this particular place. So an English tutor in a county that has so many students that are speaking English as a second, oftentimes a third language. Palm Beach County has a lot of people from the Caribbean, a lot of people from South America who don't speak English as their first or second language. So oftentimes it's Spanish. It's a form of Patois or Creole or French Creole, whether you're in Martinique or Haiti, et cetera, et cetera, or Spanish. 
and having English tutors is practically an essential worker in South Florida. This person said I can make more money at the taco shop just flipping tacos than I would being an English tutor in a county that really needs people that are proficient in the English language. I'm just saying, especially in a county where, I'm sorry, people, if, if the Floridians, friends of mine who are listening to this, Florida has one of the worst educational systems in this country. Okay? The kids there are not equipped for the future. I went to, I went, I went to college in Florida, but I went to high, I, I lived most of my life in New York. And then I decided to go back to school and I entered into the college system in Florida. And you know what I did? I immediately transferred back to New York to a university. I said, I'm, I couldn't allow Florida to educate me respectfully. I was like, ah, I got to go back. Got to go. I, I can't do this. I can't be known as a, and, and I hate to say this out loud. I couldn't be known as a graduate of a Florida university. It couldn't be known. Maybe a law school, maybe that. But the undergrad, I said, I got to go someplace else. I'm a born and bred New Yorker, and I got to keep, keep that on the resume. And, and maybe it's real or imagined. I, I went to school with a lot of the Florida. I went to school, community college, junior college, with a lot of students that were fresh out of high school, oftentimes fresh out of other schools and vocations. And I said, wow. So I was interacting intimately with the byproduct of the Florida educational system. And let me tell you something, it was alarming. My apologies to many people who are like, yo, man, you're making people listening to your show may not want to hire me, this, that, and the third. I'm sorry, my apologies. It's rough out there. And part of the reasons it's rough out there is you're not paying anything. You're paying substitute teachers 12, 13. You're paying instructors 14, 15, 16. And now you're paying people with PhDs and master's degrees. What is the incentive to go into the educational system and study education? What's the incentive? What's the incentive? There is no incentive. Social workers getting getting a master's degree in social work so you can burn out in two to three years. Social workers burn out in two to three years. And what's your incentive? 40, 50, 60 grand a year to take on a caseload where you're looking at some of the most the most heartbreaking and heart wrenching cases of abuse, whether it be men or women or children or whomever. Come on, man. The closer you are to the people, the less money you make. You are in a misanthropic dynamic in this world especially in this country. This is where we are. This is where we are, people. So on this Labor Day or belated Labor Day episode, just trying to just highlight and crystallize the dysfunction that goes on when people think teachers don't care. When a person's at a job from 6, 7 a.m. until 3, 4, 5 p.m., and has to go home and grade papers, make papers, grade projects, make projects, grade tests, make tests, and not get paid for that time. And getting paid less than other professionals, even though this person had to learn more. You got to know to teach. You got to know it to teach it. It takes a special person to be able to know something and then articulate it in a way where someone who doesn't know it now knows it. What? I know a lot of great employees, but they didn't know how to teach. But then all of a sudden, the training manager, that one special person that's able to tell you and break down to you 
reductively and deductive. This is what you need to do and how you need to do it. I know a lot of people, they be like, hey, just do that and just do this and do that. And you feel more lost. You don't feel empowered. You don't feel confident after that person speaks to you. And they may be great at their job, but they're not great at teaching the job to others. That is a special talent to be able to know something and then be able to teach something, that same thing that you know to someone who doesn't know it. And now they know it. Trust me, not every teacher is a great teacher, but the ones who are, that is a gift. That is a, that, that is a gift to not just know it, but to know how to teach it to someone, to make the ignorant now knowledgeable. What? And we're paying these people $14, $15 an hour. And we want to know what's going on with America's youth. The America's youth conundrum. What's going on with America's boys? With America's girls? Yeah. So all these teachers that recruit me. I remember there was a um, uh, couple of my instructors wanted me to, right before the pandemic, they wanted to have a conversation with me as why there is such a lack of men in education. Why aren't men becoming teachers? Why aren't men becoming teachers? I'll give you an example. In my school, I went to St. John's University in New York City, private Catholic school. I had a teacher there. He was an adjunct instructor. What does adjunct means? That means he wasn't a permanent teacher. That means they hired him for a couple of hours and then he'd have to go all around New York City at other schools to try to get gigs like he teaching an hour and a half here then he's got to jump on a train looking like the nutty professor running across town to another school to get an hour or two there and that's how they treated him as opposed to him being a tenured professor we can have a nice little desk in an office and this then a third this particular teacher was my favorite instructor he was one of my best instructors he was challenging he was knowledgeable he was young he was able to crystallize very complex government entities and apparatuses and ideologies and philosophies from the past the way he was able to intermingle so many different subjects into one the course he created was his course it was awesome it was such a good course that after I graduated I emailed him because I said if I ever get into teaching I want to do a course similar to yours that's how good of a class it was. That's how much I learned. And that's how much I thought it fit my style of being able to pull together history, comedy, um, philosophy, ideologies, mix it all together with parallels and analogies. The man was brilliant. <clears throat> Young guy. I spoke to him and he said, hey, June, I'm no longer in teaching. W why not? I, got a, I had a growing family. I got a wife. I had a kid. No place was offering me any tenure and being an adjunct instructor where one minute I'm in Pace University. I remember one time we were in class and he was pulling out notes from another class, from another school. And it's because they have this excellent teacher running ragged as opposed to saying, you know what? I actually went to my head of my department and said, listen, such and such professor, such and such is nothing short of an amazing. And this is and they were like, oh, I'm glad that you like him. I'm like, he's awesome. And I wasn't the only person who did that. He said, June, it, it was too tough running around New York City, getting on trains and buses and cabs and cars just to get from one school, one class to another and not and getting paid 15, 16 bucks an hour in New York City, which is more expensive than Palm Beach County. OK, so what did he go into? He's an electrician. He lives in the Midwest now. 
and he has a thriving contracting electrician, but he's an electrician. So he's working for a contractor and he just installs electrical blah, blah, blah wiring and he's making a good living. He has a house and his wife is there and there's babies. So a brilliant instructor now is just respectfully putting up electricity. Brilliant instructor. Like I said, a brilliant instructor does not grow on trees. To be able to know something and to be able to convey it with talent, to be able to keep the and I'm I'm I was a little bit older than the students in the class. A lot of the things that my teacher was saying I knew already, and I was pushing back at him. We were having real debates in front of everybody, but sometimes it looked like he and I were the only two in the room. It almost seemed like two guys at a bar talking. The students would look at us after class and look at us and be like, "Wow!" I had dudes walking. For, um, fellow students walking to me saying that was probably the best debate I've ever heard in my life. Me and the teacher back and forth, back and forth. It was tennis. It was like watching tennis and watching the longest back and forth volley where he's throwing it over and I'm reaching somehow as high as I can and still batting it back at him. That was the class for a whole semester. My goodness, what fun. And guess what? That guy's an electrician. Because the system, the system says, eh, sorry, we're not valuing you enough as an intellectual. We don't value your intellect. Because we're in a society that doesn't value intellect. Look at what your society values. Look at the salaries of everyone around you and you'll see what your society values. Look at the salaries. I will tell you what your society values by the numbers on that piece of paper because oftentimes that's what it comes down to, the number on that piece of paper. So when you guys fight against unions and you guys fight against employee arbitration and you're fighting against this and fighting against that and voting against your actual interests, this is what it comes down to. Some of the most essential workers, teachers. You know how many teachers have left the te teaching during the pandemic when it was like, this is the last straw? You don't pay me enough to go through all of this. This is what it is. Now you have a teacher shortage. For me to get into teaching in 2022 for anything less than 78K starting, and those bonuses better start popping up within 20 months. You got to get me before the before five, before three, four years, I got to be making 100 grand. And, and that's a pay cut for me for all the things that I have in the works. I'm just saying, I'm going to put numbers out there. Hey, you guys have seen the gas. You guys have seen the home prices. You guys have seen the rental prices. You guys have seen the, the cost of a gallon of milk. You guys have gone to the supermarket. How, how well are you living right now on 50, 60, 70 grand in this country? How they tax you and how they fee you. This is the land of the fee, not land of the free. So how are you feeling right now with that 50, 60, 70 grand? You, you feeling flush? Feeling like you could make some moves? No, you don't. So the numbers I'm speaking are not me being ostentatious or me being entitled. I'm looking at my cost of living adjusted for inflation, and I'm looking for my salary to be commensurate to the cost of living, okay, for me to live in a decent neighborhood. I'm not even speaking about living, being the king of the hill on the top of the hill in the best zip code county area. That's just for me to be okay. You can't start me out with less than 78. I'll be like, no, no, can't have a conversation. Meanwhile, they're trying to start you out at 28. <laughs> but the taco shop and the acai bowl shop is starting people at $20 an hour. But to be a teacher and intellectual to, 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 to foster the hearts and minds of the, of the youth and, and, and adults that are looking to better themselves, they're paying you 14, 15 an hour. Just saying people, if you want it to be different, it'll be different. 
But if we want to keep being dismissive and keep being ambivalent to these things that are going on, to the going ons that are going on, guess what? They're going to go from 30 an hour to 14, 14 to 10. <laughs> and the Burger King earner is going to be making more than your uh, professor for the PhD earner. And then guess what? No more academics, no more intellectuals, no more learned people who find reading a book, learning, knowing is actually incentivized. Guess what? You will be ruled by buffoons. Have you not seen it? Have you seen who's in the White House right now? Have you seen who was in the White House previously? Mm. Respectfully to everybody out there that was jumping up and down January 6th, man that you were jumping around for is a buffoon. Respectfully. The man who's in the White House right now is a buffoon. Whoever's fighting for the buffoon. Hmm? Morally compromised buffoons. Couldn't have a debate with you about what is and what is not to save their lives. Couldn't galvanize. Surrounded by advisors. Surrounded by people. Surrounded by people who compromise and negate and such and such. Please, knock it off. You don't have any more heroes. And this is what the decentivization of intellect does. You get to be ruled by personalities, personas, buffoonery, baboonery, mockeries of institutions. That's what it is. Just saying. Just saying. If we don't want this to be this way, then what are you going to do about it? You're going to take to the streets. You're going to form unions in mass. I've been seeing some unions forming. Are you going to say enough is enough and just walk out? Because you ain't getting paid anything anyway. You can't afford your rent anyway. Can't afford anything anyway. Remember when I said who's in your village? Remember I said who's in your village? Are the villagers going to get together and say, you know what? Let's have a mass walkout. I have a little basement space. You can stay in my basement. You can do this. You can do that. We're going to work together and we're going to just walk out of these institutions that refuse to pay us a living wage, a wage that we earned. Are you going to do it? No? Okay. Well, guess what? You think, you think, for, you think, you think the wages that we have now are bad? You think inflation is bad now when you're dealing with four or five dollar a gallon gas? When you're dealing with sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollar rent to live in the ghetto? Or some three hundred thousand dollar house that's still dilapidated that needs work and it's not even in the best area? Wait a minute, are you telling me it needs work? No, the neighborhood needs work and the house needs work? And I'm paying three hundred? Whoa. <laughs> People. This is where we are, Labor Day. So the labor in life is what you make it. The only way this is going to change if you change it. You, you, there are no benevolent employers. This is not philanthropy. This is not humanitarian efforts. These are for-profit businesses. This is a fight. It's always going to be a struggle and a fight to get what you want to get. It's, it's, or they're just going to eliminate and terminate and treat you like a warm body. That's it. Unless you demand more and say, this is it, no more. Enough is enough. On that note, happy belated Labor Day. We'll talk soon. <laughs>